Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Good afternoon. This week on the podcast, we've got Rob Croyle. Hello. We've got Jacob Croyle. Hey there. And myself, Logan. Here with some footnotey goodness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this weekend we were talking, uh, we started our new series on Share Connect Minister Disciple, kind of how we go about living out the story that God has put in us. Um, so we started off with Share, and you framed a lot of that with the Samaritan woman at the well story, yeah. out of John 4. Yeah. And you talked quite a bit about sharing. I shared incessantly. Yeah. Uh, this week's shortcoming dun, 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 uh, might have been that there was almost two sermons in one. Yeah, the part A, part B, I, I said that the last series was a part A series, and this is part B to our vision series, but my sermon had a part A, part B. And luckily, nobody was sitting in a window well because they uh, might have they might have fallen asleep and just fallen right out because you know it was a marathon. It was a marathon, uh, but it wasn't that bad. Like it's really not the end of the world. Uh, you know, as far as shortcomings go, I'm okay with that. The real shortcoming was the fact that because we had a routing issue on the board, and I couldn't figure that out before service, we didn't get the Benny Hill music lined up for your story about chasing your dog around oh that was gonna be funny (laughs) and i you know i had it fixed by the time you got there but i was like if i just spring that on him it's gonna derail him because he's not expecting that at all Oh no no that would have been funny i would have loved Um, that that i I thought about it and i was like oh i just i i I thought better of it Uh, yeah so that was it it was a it was it was a missed opportunity could have thrown a little Benny Hill theme in there. Hmm. Yep. Oh, well. Oh, well. <clears throat> but because you used the Samaritan woman, uh, the story of the, the woman at the well, we have a plethora of footnotey fodder goodness Yeah. Uh, that, you yeah. Can, uh, that you can enjoy as you listen to us ramble about this. Um, so let's dive right in with that. Uh, the Samaritan woman at the well story obviously happens in Samaria. It does. And it, the story begins by with Jesus telling his disciples, we have to go through Samaria. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, they were heading to Galilee from Judea, and typically a good Jew of that time would have gone around Samaria, and I believe it would add another day of travel. It sounds about right. I mean, it's it's you got to go out of your way to get around it. If I remember right, you'd be considered unclean if you went through Samaria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds correct. So when it says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria, that that should just raise some eyebrows. It's kind of, it's kind of setting up the plot a little bit. It's like, wait, why is he in such a hurry? Yeah, and the whole section of, you know, like he had to depart for Samaria, he's tired, he's sitting at the well, and here comes a woman, and he asks her to to uh, give him a drink, and at that point, at that point, 
you know, the story would cut to a commercial because it'll be a little bit of a cliffhanger right there. Sure. And in telling the story, if you just paused right there, that just caused enough angst for everybody in the Jewish crowd to go, what in the world is going on here? Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful story. It's set up perfectly. And it really does, it really does uh, a lot in this story. John is, John is brilliant in his writing, and there's a lot to unpack in this one. Yeah. Um, we're just going to kind of skim the surface on a lot of this stuff today because um, you could you can get lost in the weeds real quick. But uh, hopefully this will inspire you to dive in and check out some more options for this story maybe. Now you said uh, that we're going to use the Samaritan woman story. Mm-hmm. And you took a pause there when you said that. And I was thinking, you know, so often people think that she's a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and so why? Well, this is the story as I heard it. Like she's the she's the the town the town harlot, right? She's she's been ostracized from the community, and that's why she's there in the middle of the day. Yep. Uh, which mm, pause for a moment. Middle of the day. It says the sixth hour, or something like that, right? In the text. Right. We translate that as middle of the day, but. It could be one. There's two possibilities. One, if you're using the Greek or Roman timekeeping, they split it into two 12 hours. So that actually would be either 6 a.m. or 6 p.m., like we do, uh, to my understanding. And then two, the middle of the day, we don't know what time of year this was. Was it sweltering hot and just nobody went in the middle of the day? But if you're out of water, you're out of water. Mm-hmm. So what is we assume that this means nobody else is coming along. Right. Yeah. But there's I, a number of things. I submit for your consideration, where does that assumption come from? So some of the some of the things that people with the idea that she's a prostitute, you know, you've had five husbands and the one you have now is not your husband. Um and then, you know, she says as part of her testimony, he has told me everything that I've done. So maybe there's more to this conversation that we're not let in on. Uh, so maybe the conversation is truncated to some degree. Um, you know, whatever the case, it seems to hinge around this thought that you've had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. Mm-hmm. Which today we wouldn't call someone necessarily a, a harlot if if uh they'd had multiple husbands uh i knew a gal that had several husbands and they all had passed away sure that's a possibility mm-hmm. lifespans they got married early um and usually your husband was a lot older uh like you're getting married real early and they're 15 20 years older than you very possible your husband could have passed away. You might have lost multiple husbands that way. We don't know, but that's a possibility. So there is another possibility, and Jake, you want to bring this one up? Sure. So the other possibility, so uh, so Jesus says to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. So... 
it's interesting there is is the number five. Five would have represented, um, it, from a Jewish standpoint, uh, Torah, you know, the five books of Moses. Um, and the Samaritans, they they did have Torah. They had Torah, and they also kind of had some other stuff, um, some other pagan stuff that they used on top of it. And so that could explain the, the one who you, you have now is not your husband. Um, so one of the other theories on her is that she is a priestess. Um, this could partially explain why she's at Jacob's well. Um, that was a very important religious spot for the Samaritans. Um, and, uh, and especially with that, the specific reference of five and another, that definitely, uh, can sound a lot like a reference to the Samaritan religion. Well, and this is near Shechem, Mm -hmm. which is the religious epicenter for the northern kingdom. So when uh, Judah and Israel split, the people in the north, they gravitated towards Shechem because the kingdom of the north did not want his people returning back to to Jerusalem to worship. Otherwise, they may join back with the southern kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so Shechem is is this epicenter. She is very cognizant of the uh, the religious conversation of yeah. the time. She knows a lot about it, and and actually that could that could actually go both ways. Uh, that that could actually be a point for uh, her either being a, a prostitute or or at least married multiple times, and now with someone that's not her husband, maybe a common law marriage. Uh, she is able to also like keep up with with this Jewish rabbi, like in this kind of spar of words. Um, and she has great influence in the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I will play devil's advocate on this because it makes sense. Like, why would why would the town listen to her if she came? You know, if she's this woman of ill repute, right? Why why is the whole town going to come listen? Okay, if somebody who you knew was like i for for those of us on the relig- in the religious side of things the most tatted up crazy drug dealer you know non-religious person that you would think of right had this crazy come to jesus moment and suddenly started coming and talking to everybody yeah right? they, the they prodigal draw son people. returns and they're like my life's changed they draw people it mm-hmm. okay maybe maybe the whole town comes and listens then i i could uh, there's a there's a possible case for that, mm-hmm. but that speaks more to her being an outsider and less to her being of ill repute. Yeah. So Jacob kind of hinted at it. You know, Jesus said, "You have had five husbands, but the one that you're with now is not is not your husband." And the Samaritans had adopted the religious practices of the people around them. And so I believe there's Assyrians mm-hmm. and Ball and so and a lot of that stuff. And so Jesus could be saying, You used to hold the Torah, but you, you don't even do that. You used to be married to the five books of Moses. Yes. But you're not anymore, and the one that you're with now is it, not even your husband. It's not even your husband. You like like you're playing around there, but you, you're really not married to anything. Like you're just kind of you're lost. And so whether this is a person that, 
you know, has been married five times and, and now is with a sixth person that's not their husband, mm-hmm. or she's a priestess, <clears throat> and but she's leading people astray, you know, in the in the worship of the Lord. Either way, she needs a Messiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Either well, way, and, and she needs a Messiah. On the divorced five times thing, if it is divorced five times, just another side note here, it's probably not... Now, granted, the Samaritans would have... They would have had a slightly different... Because they're not Jewish. But they still had the five books of Torah. And if they were holding to that, that would have definitely... Like, imagine the Muslims now. Divorce looks very similar in Muslim countries than it did back in that time. Like, sure. This is the cultural the cultural exchange was great amongst these these nations. So Samaria and and the Jewish kingdoms would have looked very similar in cultural law site type things. Not a not a huge leap to make there. But for her for uh, for anyone to make the case like, oh she was adulterous in any of these like she committed adultery in any of these marriages that's a bad case because it would have been a capital punishment. Mm-hmm. Right. So for her to be alive and have been divorced five times or widowed and divorced in any combination, uh, to be divorced, it was most likely that she was divorced by her husband for who knows what, burning her toast. Uh, there's a little there's a little, uh, little Hillel or uh, Shammai reference there. No, uh, it was a Hillel. That was a Hillel reference. That's the one uh, off Hillel. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so maybe she burned. Maybe she burned the toast. Who knows? But most likely, she's actually got kind of a. She's the victim rather than somebody with a scarlet letter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Very good case to be made for that, even if you're even if you're going to go with that she's actually been divorced five times. Mm-hmm. So let's bring up the Nic- Nicodemus connection, because this adds to the conversation. Nicodemus shows up in chapter 3. Yeah, in, uh, so the, and this is the brilliance of John. Um, John is often portrayed as the gospel that's like simple and straightforward, and on some levels that is true, but it's also incredibly rich and deep. Oh, geez. Oh, my goodness. It's, this, this right here it's is, tasty. is rich stuff, because I... I think this is the first time I heard this when you talked about this earlier, and it was like light bulb coming on. Oh, yeah. So when we look at this story in John chapter 4, you ask yourself, okay, why why does Jesus have to go through Samaria? Because it ties in with that, I think. Why does Jesus have to go <laughs> through Samaria? Well, what happened right before that? Right before that, in John chapter 3, uh, where'd this go? There it is, Nicodemus. We get this conversation with Nicodemus. And as we know in this conversation with Nicodemus, Nicodemus comes in the middle of the night. Hmm. He's this religious leader, right? This great religious leader who comes in the middle of the night with questions of Jesus and doesn't, he doesn't accept, like, he he kind of, he doesn't really, like, do anything with this in this conversation, I should have refreshed my Nicodemus story so I could, really could have got this, but it popped into my head. I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. So, like, he doesn't actually, like, like we, we see this we see this story kind of unresolved at the end of that, right? We, yeah, we don't see an immediate response. Now, There's Nicodemus, no immediate change. Nicodemus does later in the story, does uh, stand up for— the burial, right? Right, but, in, yeah. but before his death, you know, he, he steps up, stands up for Jesus That's and true. says we should—, we should 
we don't we don't try anybody without hearing them first. Yeah. Yep. And then he does help with the burial. <laughs> mm-hmm. And but it's just not as overt of a response as it's 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 covert. His response seems very covert after the fact in the shadows. Yeah. At least in comparison to the Samaritan woman. Okay. And so immediately after this, we get the story of the Samaritan woman. So picture with me, uh, you got yourself a little graph here, a little comparison chart. On the left, you got Nicodemus, and on the right, you got the Samaritan woman. So look at the characters. You've got Nicodemus, who is a religious leader, and you got the Samaritan woman, who either whichever one you want to subscribe to, either she's a religious leader as a priestess, or she's an outcast member of society, and she's the downtrodden. Either way, she would be seen as less than, significantly less than, than Nicodemus. Very much so. From the so. Jewish mindset. Jewish mindset, like, she is she is way out there, okay? And then the next thing you look at is the time of day. Nicodemus comes to uh, Jesus in the dead of night, the middle of the night, and sure, we'll go with the middle of the day. Oh, the Samaritan woman is coming to it in the exact opposite. So we've got religious leader, not religious leader in the Jewish sense. And then you've got middle of the night coming to him in secret, middle of the day coming to him in a well. Out which, in the open. Out in the open, everyone, and then bringing everyone to him. Like, this is a public thing. Like, the disciples come up to it, very public. This juxtaposition, I hope you're catching on to this now. And then we've got, uh, oh shoot, where was I at? So we got uh, the the leaders. We've got the the time of day, and then we've got the the outcome, right? right? Nicodemus, it we we don't even really hear the outcome. He doesn't really get it. It's like the well, should I be born again? Like this whole thing, and then the the Samaritan woman. Like there's this this turnaround, and all of these people start coming to Jesus because of her. And Jesus says very challenging things to both of these people. To Nicodemus, he says, you must be born again, and you need to be born of, of water and spirit, re- referencing back to Exodus. But with the Samaritan woman, he says, salvation is of the Jews. Mm-hmm. Like, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we do know. And you worship on this mountain, but really, the Jews have had it correct all the way along. You need to connect into what, what's going on. And what God is doing through his people. Mm-hmm. Also, just the the side note of Jesus is talking to a woman here. Like, it's a, it just as a, a more, mm. a bigger flip from the Nicodemus story, Jesus is now talking to a woman instead of a man. Like, which, put yourself in Jewish t- context, even, even, if, even if it wasn't a Samaritan woman, it would have been strange for Jesus to be talking to a woman as a you know a single Jewish rabbi and to be just talking to a woman would have been a little bit weird. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they were they were just not they just weren't valued in society the same way. Yeah. And um, like women were invited to teachings. Like we, sure. we see that but not one on one, not like no. this. No, definitely not. And definitely not at a well definitely because I well. think and I think we've talked about this before or at least people have made jokes at me before about this, but like you go to the well to meet your wife. Because look at all the other stories, and this one especially, like, there's a reference in this because this is Jacob's well. Mm-hmm. Yes. What did? Where did Jacob find his wife? 
Where did uh, where did Isaac find his wife? Like, there's so where Abraham didn't he like there was there was a there was a story with Abraham at the well too, right? I don't. Know, there's N- not Abraham, but uh, Moses, Jacob, Moses, Jacob, and, and Isaac. Isaac, and Isaac, Abraham's son. That's right. That's where I was getting that one. Mm. Isaac. Isaac yeah. means his wife at the well. Like, there's a reference here, which one could also make the connection here with the reference at the well is Jesus, like the bride of Christ Hmm. might be the outsider. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. I'm just saying there, that's a lot of speculation, but one could go research that if one felt the need to. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine this story going out to, you know, Ephesus and, the, the Greeks sit next to the Jews. And by the way, uh, that was very Greek of you to create this uh, chart. Little chart, little comparison yeah. chart. Yeah, yeah that's very, very. <laughs> so they're listening to the stories and listening to this particular story. And the Jewish people are like, what did he just do? <laughs> and, well, and the Greeks are going, what? He went, where's my chart? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Let me create a chart for you. See, oh, oh, <laughs> this next to this uh, means this all makes something. Sense. Yeah. yeah, which which is such a <clears throat> Jewish thing to do. If you look at stories, like you look at the story of Hagar with her son, and then Jacob with Isaac, and Hagar when when she's afraid that that her and her son are going to perish, she walks away from her son. Jacob, when he goes to, he knows that he's supposed to offer up Isaac, and Isaac says, "Father," and he says, "Here I am." Mm-hmm. Like, like he stays emotionally connected, and and right there in the hardest moment of his life as a father. And so the juxtaposition of these two stories in the Old Testament tells a bigger story, and the juxtaposition of of John 3 and John 4 tells a bigger story, yep. and it's a compare and contrast. So the Nicodemus story is a great story. The Samaritan woman story is a great story. You put them together, and there's even more for you to really kind of wrestle with. And, and you take the pen, and, chew and you on. take the apple, you put them together, pen, pineapple, apple pen. Okay. Jacob's dying. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) So there's one last thing we want to talk about, and that is the connection to Acts chapter 8. Yeah. So in Acts chapter 8, it says that, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had had them, and many of who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. And so the people in Samaria are receiving Christ. And in verse 14, we're told that when the apostles at Jerusalem heard the Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. And so this immediate response by the, the apostles was to run to Samaria. And 
when they receive Christ. And I really think it's connected to this John chapter 4 mm-hmm. story. Sure. Well, in, in a lot of ways, um, Jesus is going to, uh, I believe the city that they're at is Shechem, actually. Yep. Uh, so they're at the city of Shechem, which has a lot of, if, if go look up the history of, of, of Shechem and you'll get a lot of, there's a, a lot of fun history with that. But um, in a lot of ways, Jesus is coming back in to reestablish the promise of Abraham to Samaria. You make the case that that's, that's kind of what's going on in this. It's, it's telling the story of Jesus reinviting them in. And we see that kind of coming to fruition in Ch- Acts chapter 8. Of that, your brain, they're coming back into the fold. Like the promise of Abraham, like this, they're, they're getting, like this is God's kingdom bringing people into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mentioned in my sermon that um, they could have missed out, the disciples could have missed out on the, on this when they went into Shechem to, to buy food because of busyness. Like they were so focused on their task that they didn't have time for the people. Or it could have been because of prejudice, and and uh, we talked about the north and the su- southern kingdoms splitting. But but part of from the Jewish perspective, the kingdom of the north and and the Samaritans in particular, they walked away from the faith. Mm-hmm. They took Torah, but they changed it, and they took on spouses. They took on wives from from the local community because that's what they had was it moabites uh i don't remember i don't think it would have been moabites i think moabites were a bit more distant hmm. yeah i thought the moabites were a bit more, a bit more like further south more more towards egypt yeah yep yep you're right but uh, i think it's the Assyrians. it'd be a similar idea of taking on like these or mixing their religions yeah um, i i think it i I think it is Assyrian now that we're... Yeah, because, yeah, they had a lot of Assyrian stuff in there. That sounds right. In fact, the term for them was Samaritan dogs. Yep. Samaritan dogs. So that just gives you a picture. Um, In the Christian world, it'd probably look a lot like, um, you know, either the Latter-day Saints or Jehovah's Witness, you know, where we go, you know what? You talk about Jesus, but I'm not sure we talk about the same Jesus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be a similar kind of, yeah. of conversation, yeah. and and Jesus reinvited them, like you said, reinvited them back in. Now, so that's an important discipleship note. Um, yes, doors are wide open. We want to invite everyone in, but discipleship needs to take place, and sure. And we need to connect people to the Christ of the Bible, and and truth does matter. Yeah, and that I mean that comes from going to them. Jesus went to Samaria. He didn't expect Samaria to come to him. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay. So maybe instead of waiting for guys in white shirts and ties and name tags showing up to our doors in pairs, we should show up in their doors in pairs. Oh man. <laughs> Can we start missionary like knocking on neighborhood doors? Uh, Hi, do you have a moment to hear? It? No, I'm kidding. That's not. Don't don't do that. That's bad. Don't do that. <laughs> Unless you bring me along. 
<laughs> Logan's looking for a missionary date. That is not. Oh. He's looking for the well. <laughs> I done goofed by opening you up for that one. <laughs> wow. You're welcome. Here, let me set that up for you on a nice little tee. Uh, anyway, so enough about that. Uh, yeah, that's. I think that's that's probably enough rambling about this. I think we'll probably. I'll probably link in the show notes on this one to a couple of resources. We one we have gotten a bunch of this info from Marty Solomon's teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll link to some of that. And then another one is there was a blog post that Paul wrote a couple of years, uh, probably four or five years ago now, um, that is massive. It's a huge, it's like over 3,000 words. It's a big blog post. But uh, he did a lot of work on the Samaritan woman mm-hmm. and a lot of good stuff in there. So I'll probably link both of those here in the show notes. So if you want to go research more of this, you are welcome to. There's a lot to this story. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting parts to it. Rob could have talked for three days in his sermon. Could have been three sermons. Could have been could have been three sermons. Instead of just two. Instead of just two jammed into one. <laughs> uh, it was a double stuff Oreo. It was a double stuffed. And you know, I did feel very fulfilled. Like I, it was it was very filling. I, I yeah, the problem was uh I had I was not originally gonna go with the the Samaritan story. Yep. And I was going to go with two smaller passages, significantly smaller, like pages smaller. (laughs) And I read, I was just in my personal time uh, studying Friday, and I came across the Samaritan story, and I'm like, oh, this is the story. And, And instead of changing my outline, which I should have done now, yeah, I'm in my rookie season as the lead pastor, so um, still figuring out how to do this thing. Yeah, so you know, instead of uh, changing my approach to the whole sermon, I just swapped out two small stories with one big story that I was really passionate about because it is a fantastic story in talking about how you share your faith, mm-hmm. how you share your life, how do you, you know, what does this look like, and uh, yeah. It's a double stuff Oreo. Yeah. Damn. Mom said yesterday that when Dad got to the spart- part where he was starting the Samaritan woman's story, she's like, is he really starting something now? <laughs> we're we're 20, 23 minutes in. Why are you... You're just... That was your opener? <laughs> oh, man. We should be... Come on, brah. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's all good. It's all good. She's strapped in. Buckle up, kids. We got another half to go. That's all right. Good stuff. Anyway, hopefully you enjoyed this uh, wonderful episode of Footnotes. If you got any comments, questions, concerns, go ahead and shoot those at Gus at LiferOTP.com. If you aren't following us on social medias, go ahead and jump on there. Give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. Or hit subscribe uh, so that you can hear all of our footnotey goodness or our sermons. Glad to have you with us, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge Podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed. 
and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.